Well, good morning. Thank you, worship team. So here's the thing. You know, we, even nature has had enough with this COVID-19. So here's the thing. I'm looking out my front window this last week, and lo and behold, I see three baby squirrels up this dead tree all by themselves. And I'm sitting there thinking, now that's kind of odd. They're going to get picked off by the owl or the hawk real soon. They're going to become somebody's lunch. And then finally I saw the mother come all, about 150 feet away, came running across the street, ran up the tree, grabbed one of them in her mouth and carried that thing all the way back to the, the tree where their nest was, ran all the way up the top, put it in the hole, and then came back, did that three times. And I'm just thinking, those little baby squirrels had had enough of being quarantined they just wanted to get out. I haven't seen them since, so she must have had a pretty scold talking to them. But anyway, <laughs> it was kind of funny. That, that was actually uh, something my son relayed to me. Yeah, Dad, they're tired of the quarantine. So today, uh, I am going to be talking about two kingdoms. How many know there are two kingdoms? And we're together, all right? It's different if it's like Grand Rapids in Detroit. You've got a separation there right? Or Traverse City and Gaylord. There's a separation between us. Not so with these two kingdoms. These two kingdoms are lumped together. And I really have experienced that this morning. We have experienced that this morning. The enemy does not want the Word of God getting out. I'm just hoping and praying that this goes out on the internet because it's so slow today, it's unbelievable. And it's not us. It's, it's actual internet. So I want to look at these two kingdoms today. One is seen as the light. Imagine that. The other is seen in the light of its darkness. The two are different as night and day, and I'm kind of being cute here. One represents hope. The other one, of course, represents despair. One relies on love as its source. The other thrives on evil. And as I see it, it never gets enough, all right? The kingdom of darkness never gets enough. But thank God that He has sent the light into the darkness. Hallelujah. Can I get an amen? amen. I want to I start with a prayer. I know Barb prayed, but I'd like to add a little more to that. Not that hers wasn't sufficient. Father, we again are blessed to be uh, assembled together in this fellowship Lord, for those who are joining us on live stream and Facebook, I pray that you would unite us in one body, Lord. Jesus, you are our King. You are our Lord. And I pray that this message today, Lord, would go deep within us. Lord, that you would prepare our hearts even now. Lord, those that are hardened, soften them in the name of Jesus. Lord, give us ears to hear and eyes to see the things of God. And help us to know our part. Lord, as I believe, we are coming close to the day that you return for your church. Lord, we commit this body into your hands today in the name of Jesus, giving you all the praise and all the glory. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. So the first kingdom, the kingdom of light, this is where we discover our King, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. It's so important to see that Jesus came into this world to show us the way to heaven. 
You know, we're going to spend forever with him there. He came for that reason. But while we're still on this planet, there are things to be done. As I said, two kingdoms. Jesus said this in, in Matthew 4.16, and this is in the uh, TNIV. Referring to himself, he said, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Now this is a direct quote from Isaiah 9, 1 and 2. You know, Jesus believed that the Old Testament was God's Word. Not only was it His Word, it was prophetic in many instances. Often it talked about Him coming, the Messiah coming, the King coming, our Savior coming. Jesus believed the Old Testament was God's Word. You can too. We can too. Amen? Notice here, it says a great light. Not just a light, but a great light. Who's the great light? Jesus, of course. In following in this theme, in John 8, 12, we read this. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I think that's powerful enough. I'm going to read it twice. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever believes in me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I hope you know that light. I hope you're not walking in darkness today. Here's what I want you to understand, though. People have a choice. These two kingdoms are combined, light and dark. And everyone has a choice. You could say yes to the light, or you could say no to the light. And by doing so, you're really saying yes to the darkness, which is where you're already at. All right? If you're not in the light, you're in the darkness by default. That's where you started. That's where all of us started, in the dark. But thanks be to God... Jesus came to deliver us from that darkness. Hallelujah. Now notice, the word for darkness in the Greek is skatia. Sorry. And it's described as one who is in obscurity where everything is dim. I thought about that for a minute and I thought, you know what? Have you ever tried to do anything intricate in the dark? I know my son and I, we, we like to go fishing in the summertime late into the evening and the big ones come out after dark. But you ought to try tying a, a, a lure when it's dark if you don't have light. It is not easy. And, and then I was reminded when I was younger, and I know if you do something more than once, it kind of shows your uh, intelligence level, but I would get up in the middle of the night and walk through my house and there was this beautiful coffee table right in the middle of the floor. And I broke the same toe at least twice. It was like, ah! Oh, I'm sure my neighbors heard me. Twice. It wasn't bad enough. I didn't learn from my mistake the first time. I had to do it again. And maybe even again. I don't remember. But I know it hurt. Come out of the darkness, folks. Come out of the darkness. Why are you walking in the dark? 
when God has made a way where there was no other way. Stop living in obscurity. That's another word for this. Obscurity in a state of unknown. When you're in the darkness, you're in a state of unknown. You don't know what's coming at you next. And my recommendation to all of you today that are listening here and on live stream is come into the light so that you can see what you're doing, so that you can discover what God's plan is. Jesus came to show you the way. He doesn't want you out there floundering in the dark, stubbing your toe, breaking it. He wants you to be healthy, prosperous. That means whole health. He wants that for his kids, for his children. Jesus came to this planet to show us the way, to provide us with the great light in order that you and I can reach our destination, which is, of course, heaven. Another important facet of the kingdom of God in the kingdom of darkness is found in what they each represent. It's, it's a metaphor, if you will. Of course, besides the one being light and the one being dark. The light in the Bible is a metaphor for heaven, for God, for all things good. Can you say amen to that? And when I was thinking about this, I thought, Lord, how can I give them an example of this? And he said, go to the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 and following, it says, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the things that represent the light. And we could add to this generosity, we could add beauty, we could add hope, selflessness, and so many more of God's attributes. If it's in God, it's good. Do you agree? If it's in God, it's part of the light. Now the darkness, on the other hand, it represents the opposite of light. And there we see the attributes of none other than the prince of darkness. Again, using Galatians 5, 19 and 20 is our jump off. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. Drunkenness, orgies, and the like. That's the list there in Galatians 5, 19 and 20. And we could add gossip. We could add lying and adult, adultery, idolatry, hopelessness, murder, and so many other wicked and evil things. These all represent the darkness. Those who live in the darkness carry the weight of these sinful deeds. And I'm hoping that all of you are born again, that you're twice born, that Jesus has lifted that load off of you. But let me just say this to our audience in live stream. Carrying that sin, living in the darkness, that's a horrendous burden to carry. And it will downright wear you out and eventually kill you. Let it go. Give it to God. Come into the light. Hallelujah. People should not stay in the dark. 
Because if they do, what they're saying is, what Jesus did meant nothing. Do you agree? By not coming into the light, by staying in their sin, people are saying, Jesus, what you did for me, I don't care. That's why you and I are here. Because we recognize that weight was too much. How many remember when you gave your lives to Jesus and that sin weight was lifted off? Anybody else besides me? Amen. It's a great feeling, isn't it? We are blessed. We no longer have to carry that load on us, that sin load representing darkness. Because we've come into the light. We're born again. Jesus has saved us. Paid for our sins. And you and I now have entrance into the kingdom of God. And on this side of heaven, God said He would provide everything we needed to get the job done. And I'm going to talk about that right now. What is the job that you and I are supposed to carry out? Well, first, and I hope you'd agree with me, people should not stay in the dark because Jesus paid the price for them. And that's why you and I are here. Once you're born again, you're part of the team. Team Jesus. So what are you supposed to do after you become born again, twice born? After you say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins and make me a new person. What are we supposed to do? Share the light. We are ambassadors of Christ. Jesus went home. His disciples watched Him go up before the day of Pentecost. He went home and He said, while I'm there preparing a place for you, I will be praying for you. And he's praying that we're blessed, of course, but he's more than that praying that he will be able to use us to his glory. To be light bearers, if you will, in this dark world. We are to carry the light of Jesus and let it shine and help people find Jesus, the same Savior that we met so long ago for many of us. We want them to meet him. And they'll meet Him through our love, our kindness, as the Holy Spirit uses us. God sees those who have chosen to come into the light as His chosen people. He chose us. You may think you chose Him, but He chose you long before you chose Him. 1 Peter 2.9 but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Can you say that with me? God's special possession. Do you see yourself that way? Say that at home. God's special. You are God's special possession. God loves you, and you're His. You're His special possession so that you can declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into His wonderful light. 
You see that? You are a priest for God. Every person who is born again is a priest for God. In the Old Testament, you had to belong to a special tribe. Or they wouldn't use you. You had to be a man, or they wouldn't use you. But in the New Testament, after Jesus came and died on the cross and gave his life as a ransom for the many, men and women, boys and girls, are priests of God. And are, are, we are designed to worship him with our praise. That's what we're supposed to do. And as a result, we let our light shine. When people see that we love God, that He loves us, it does something to them. The man that led me to the Lord so many years ago, I knew there was something different. I just didn't know what it was. I didn't realize that it was God's light in him. You know, if, if you're working and I don't necessarily mean the last seven or eight weeks, but if you're working out there in the world, if you will, in the schools, in a, in a job, maybe in construction or, or something like that, or in the retail business, you are in the dark world. And those people need somebody, just like you and me, to walk in with our light. And you shouldn't have to tell them. They should know it because you have spent time with your Lord. Remember when Moses went up to the mountain and he met God? And God gave him the Ten Commandments? He came down and everybody freaked out. They're like, whoa! And he's like, what's wrong with you people? And they said, you're glowing. You're glowing. You can't get into the presence of God and not leave that with the light shining. People ought to be able to tell a difference in you. If they can't, hear this, if they can't, there's something wrong with your relationship with the Lord. You are a priest. A chosen person. All right, you are God's special possession, and He wants you to go out and to tell people about it. Can I get a good amen? God's chosen are expected to show the world the other kingdom. Listen, they've been hunkered down in darkness long enough. It's time. It's time for them to be introduced to the kingdom of light. For if people are not in the light, and I've said this already, by default, they're in the darkness. But here's the thing. A lot of these people don't even realize it. You've probably heard the story about the frog that they put him in a pot with water and they just gradually turned it up. And because it was gradual, the frog didn't know it, but he was being boiled to death. The same is true with the people in the world, they don't even realize they're in sin. They don't realize that they're in darkness. And when you come to them, and, and if you try to say, hey, you need Jesus, they're going to be like, huh? Who's he? You have to love them first. They have to understand 
who you are first. Get to know your character. See your light shine so that when you actually deliver the good news, it's going to be good news. In 2 Corinthians 4, 4, it says this, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. When you try to deliver the good news to these people, if they're not ready for it, they're going to be blinded and they're just going to look at you like you're nuts. They might even throw a few expletives at you and tell you to get out of their face. I did that before I was born again to the man trying to reach me. But eventually he wore me down. He prayed for me. And he kept feeding me scriptures on little pieces of paper. And that word broke me down. Because I always read it. Whatever it was. It was the word of God after all. I knew that. I was raised in another denomination. I knew there was a God. I just didn't have a relationship with him. But after this man worked on me for six months and I kept seeing his light coming around and that day that I was desperate, I was in a storm, I didn't know where to turn and he came around the corner on my job site and I looked at him and I just said, Jaime, tell me about this Jesus. I was ready. I was ready. And God came into my life. He'd already chosen me. I finally decided to choose him. That day, I went from darkness to light. That day, my life changed. My family's life changed. Everything changed for the good because I fell in love with Him. Hallelujah. Satan is the God of this world. Whether people know this or not, they are following the Father of all lies. Whether knowingly or unknowingly, Jesus said, you're either with me or you're against me. Put another way, you're either walking in the light or you're walking in the darkness. The choice is yours. But you cannot do both. I want to talk to the church just for a little bit here. This, this is found in Matthew 13, if you have your Bibles with you, if you're at home. Go ahead and turn there. This is from the NLT. I'm, I'm tr changing translations just for a minute. Matthew 13. I'm going to begin with 33, but I want you to see that Jesus, this whole time he was talking in parables, and he'll, he'll say that in what I'm going to share. But he was talking about seed, about a farmer, and he was relating that to the kingdom of God. And he was saying, listen, I'm the farmer, and I'm going to Spread my seed wherever I choose to. Some of it's going to take root. I'm paraphrasing. Some of it's not. But eventually there's going to be a harvest. And he, he gets to this part right here in verse 33. And I've never read this before like this. And it hit me. It was like, how did I not see this? 
Let's read it. Jesus used this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. What does this have to do with us? This is so important. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast. Some translations uh, talk about leaven, and, and, and that's similar to yeast, but it's from the old bread. Just a little yeast mixed in the dough will change the nature of the dough and the entire batch of bread. The whole thing will rise. I love that part. When God plants seeds, things rise. Hallelujah. Can you lift up an amen? <laughs> now one source has said that just a little bit of yeast put into 60 pounds of flour is enough to feed an entire village. What's the point? As born-again believers, we are that yeast. We are part of the kingdom that God wants to grow. He plants us wherever He chooses to put us. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can change our neighborhoods. We can change our cities, our states, our nation, and even the world. If we'll let our light shine. Can anybody else get excited about that? Now this next part just talks about how this, these were all parables. You can turn there and, and read that on your own. Verses 34 and 35. From the beginning of Matthew 13, Jesus spoke in parables. He talked about the kingdom of God in a way that all these people would be able to understand it. You see, they were probably sitting in fields that had the tares in them. We're going to get to that in just a minute. And he compared the kingdom of God to a farmer who planted the seed, and the growth of that seed was determined by the ground where it was planted. So if, if they were ready for it, it took root. If they weren't, birds came along, ate it, whatever. It did grow. The following is an explanation of how the seed was planted and the results that can be expected. Verse 36. Then leaving the crowds outside, Jesus went into the house. His disciples said, please explain to us the story of the weeds in the field. And Jesus replied, The Son of Man is the farmer who plants the good seed. The field is the world. Listen to this part. And the good seed represents what? The people of the kingdom. You see, I always saw this as the seed was the Word of God. And the Word of God is certainly a part of this. But it's the spoken Word of God as we speak it. You and me. We're the ones. We're the light bearers. We're the ones that take the Word of God into this dark world. And we share that with the people that are hurting. Well, let me tell you what the Bible says about this. For God so loved the world that He gave 
His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him will what? Not perish, but have everlasting life. That's good news. If you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of all your unrighteousness. These are promises that God's made to us through His Holy Scripture. I want you to stop here and think about this. Let what Jesus said here sink in. The seeds are the people of the kingdom. Those who represent the light, that's who he's talking about. Wherever you are planted, Detroit, Lansing, Grand Rapids, Traverse City, Gaylord, Perry, Owasso, wherever you're planted, that's where you need to let your light shine. You can literally change the environment of your community by letting your light shine, by becoming the yeast to the people around you, by showing them the Word of God, or excuse me, by sharing the Word of God and showing them Jesus in your actions. Notice, though, there will also be weeds. That shouldn't surprise us. You know, when you start feeling frustrated and you, some of you more so than others, you're in that dark environment. It can wear on you. And you want those weeds to be plucked out. In fact, maybe you've prayed prayers like, Lord, just get this person out of here. Don't raise your hand. But I know you've probably thought of it at least. You know, when I worked at General Motors so many years ago, there were people that I thought like that. It was like, Lord, I don't know how much longer I can take this joker. And God would say, hey, you got this. My grace is sufficient. The weeds are always going to be with us. The darkness and the light are going to be together battling each other out until Jesus comes back for his church. So don't let this surprise you. Don't feel like, oh, I just don't know if I can go to school anymore because, man, every time I go in there, they pick on me. They're weeds. They don't know any better. However, if you pray for them, if you'll let your light shine, if you'll look for that opportunity where you can introduce them to your Savior, they too can be changed, just like you were, just like I was. And that yeast will begin to spread more and more and more as we let our light shine. Is this making sense to anybody besides me? Verse 39, slide 15 on my page. The enemy who planted the weeds among the wheat is the devil. All right? Who's our adversary? The devil. Is he real? Absolutely he is. He likes to be incognito. He doesn't like to get a lot of attention thrown his way. he rather people look at him as that red guy with the long tail. Trust me, he's much more ominous than that. And he does have power, but he's been defeated 
by the blood of the Lamb. The harvest is the end of the world, and the harvesters are the angels. Verse 40, just as the weeds are sorted out and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the world. The Son of Man will send His angels and they will remove from His kingdom everything that causes sin, all who do evil. So there's a day coming when evil will no longer be tolerated. But we have to be patient. And we have to keep trying to reach those around us. Verse 42 and 3, and then I'll, I'm almost ready to close. The angels will throw them into the fiery furnace. If, as I understand this, this is hell. Alright? This is a place of eternal torment. It was never intended for people. It was intended to be a place where the dark angels ended up and where they'll forever be tormented. But people who are in sin cannot go to heaven. And God has no choice but to distance them from Himself. So that's where they're going to end up. In the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous, I love this, verse 43, then the righteous, say that with me, then the righteous will shine like the what? The sun in their Father's kingdom. You know, there isn't a planetary star in heaven. The sun, S-O-N, is going to illuminate it. And as I read this, you and I are going to, we're going to be like glow bugs. Only in the original, this, this, is actually, this says we're set ablaze by the glory of God. Can that get you excited at all? And this blaze is not like the fiery furnace. This is like the, the burning bush thing, all right? doesn't hurt you. You're going to be set ablaze with the glory of God. We're going to shine so bright when we get to heaven. Hallelujah. And then he says this. I love it when he closes with this. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Don't just let this go in one ear and out the other. Pay attention, is what Jesus is saying. Pay attention to this. This is important. So we see that the day is coming when the angels of the Lord will pluck the weeds from the earth, throw them into the fiery furnace, and then darkness will come to an end. It's going to be a ways out yet. And the righteous people of God will shine with His glory. But until that day comes, folks, church, brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to take our changed lives and use them to leaven the lump, letting our light shine in the darkness. By doing that, by allowing the Holy Spirit to work in and through us, our very community can change. I believe it has already. As I begin to close, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Everybody has a choice. They have a chance to say yes to Jesus. Now you and I, we're expected, we're even commanded to go out and make disciples, to let our light shine, if you will.
And we do that by being kind. We do that when we speak the truth in love. But as I've already said, we need to gain an audience with these people before we can begin to share our loving Savior, Jesus, and what He's done for us. I recently read this. It was a a little post that our president from North Point Bible College, J.P. Dorsey, said. And I found it to be profound, and it really does relate to this message. He said, when meeting other people, most humans ask some form of this same first question, whether they know it or not, and that question is, do I need to be afraid of you? You know, I I think too many Christians have bowled into different environments thinking that they're all that without taking the time to, to work the soil a little bit to get to know that person. And as a result, that person in darkness looked at the person with the light and just said, man, you scare me. In so many words. Do you see what I'm trying to say here? JP went on, he said, that is until we learn to be deeply, experientially loved by God. Then we begin to ask this very different question when meeting others. And that is, how can I best let others know they do not need to be afraid of me? Hallelujah. Have you ever thought like that? How can I let that other person, especially those in darkness, how can I let them know that I'm not here to help hurt them? I'm here as a friend. A fellow human being. You know, we're not guided by race, religion, our stature and whether we're rich or poor that's not what matters what matters is that we love people just like Jesus loved us first we're supposed to love others and what do we do with them we tell them about our king we give them hope you know you plant a little seed of hope Sometimes that's all people need. And that, that, that works on them for a while. And then you plant another little seed of hope. And that works for a while. And then six months later, they're saying, tell me about your Jesus. That's what happened to me. <laughs> it's cool to be a light bearer. Can you hold your light up right now? Hold it up at home. Ah, I'm a light bearer. I bear the light of Jesus because... Holy Spirit lives in me and His light is shining out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So as Christians, we need to prayerfully ask the Lord, how can I help the people that live in darkness to see that I'm not a threat to them, but that I truly care about them and want to help introduce them to my Savior? How can I do that, Lord? Help my light to shine. You know, if we make that a prayer, if you make that a prayer, Lord, how can I do that? I don't want to scare people off. I want them to see you in me. I want them to see the love of God in me. Not all my stuff that's messed up, but the good in me. Thanks to you, Jesus. Hallelujah.
Would you bow your heads? I'm going to pray for the church here in just a minute, but I wanted to, to start with some of you, some of you listening online today, you're still in that dark world. Maybe you don't get what I'm saying. You've got blinders on. I pray right now that the blinders would come off in the name of Jesus and that what I'm saying will make sense to you. And I was reminded back when we were in Missouri, we went into the caves. I think they were the fantastic caverns, if I remember right. But we got way in deep, way in, and then they turned all the lights off. And I want to tell you what, it was scary. You couldn't see anything in there. And then there was a little teeny light way down at the end of the tunnel. And I think they did it on purpose, but you could see that light just getting brighter and brighter and brighter. And what it reminded me of as I put this together was, when you start coming toward Jesus, you're going to see a pin spot light. But that's all you need to go toward it. Because you can see that little teeny light, even if it's the size of a needle's head, you can see that in the dark because there, wherever there's light, the darkness has to flee. And the more that you go toward that little light that you see shining on you right now, the brighter it's going to get and eventually you're going to be in full-blown daylight as Jesus overwhelms you with his love. This is for somebody out there today. You need to grab hold of this. How do you do that? I already said it. Just ask the Lord, Jesus, forgive me of my sins and make me a new person. I want to follow you. I want to be a light bearer. Change me today, I pray in Jesus' name. And I believe if you'll do that, your life will be changed. Make sure and write us. Let us know on our prayer and praise page. Let us know that you did this so we can be praying for you. And if you need anything else, let us know that. Now church, I believe we've got a real task ahead of us to let our lights shine. This world needs Jesus more than any time before. And I've heard many prophecies saying that there's going to be a great revival come after this COVID thing dries up. We have got to be ready. We have got to be the yeast. We have got to let our light shine in these days that we're in to the glory of God. This isn't so we can get puffed up. Yeah, I got 10 saved today. No. But I'll tell you, there will come a day when you're standing in heaven and those people will come up to you and say, not air high five, hug me, man. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for loving me enough to tell me the truth in love. Thank you. Would you bow your heads one more time? This is for the church. Lord, we know that we are your ambassadors. You have chosen us. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. We are your special possession. And I pray that each one, Lord, that has said yes to Jesus, that has been twice born, 
Lord, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit afresh and anew. So much so, Lord, that it would even spill over as we walk through the aisles and the stores. Even through social distancing, it would touch people behind us and in front of us. And Lord, that you would help us to seize the moments. Lord, as we place ourselves in your hands, that you would do mighty works with your people, your priests and priestesses. Holy Spirit, use us. We give you permission. Show us who to reach out to. Show us how to plant good seed in people's lives, especially those in the dark. And Lord, again, I dedicate this church, our people to you, the people of the hope, those listening online. I commit them into your hands today and the very success of them. And we pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, that concludes today's message. Let your light shine, folks. Let's seize the day. How many know somebody that needs Jesus? All right. Let's go get them. (laughs) Hey, love y'all. Thank you again for joining us uh, next Sunday, 1030 online service. And uh, hopefully by the 31st, I'll let you know next Sunday, but hopefully by the 31st we're going to have church. And again, we're, we're, we're relying on the Lord to, to lead us here, but I think that's where we're going to end up going. So God bless you. Have a great week in Jesus.